Welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dylan Bear, and Ryan Griffin, delivering the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's up, folks? Welcome to Sports Carnage. I'm Matt Basson, along with Paul Roshan and Ryan Griffin. Our fourth member, D. Dylan Bear, is MIA. Uh, we will hear from him again in a week or two or three. We're not really sure. Uh, one of the topics last week that we discussed was Michigan's search for their new head basketball coach. And we were throwing around names like Billy Donovan. We were throwing around names like Brad Stevens. We were reaching high for the University of Michigan Wolverines. When in reality, Michigan's either looking in-house or in their past. It's one of the two that we've heard as far as their head coach. And apparently, they have their head coach. Paul, so Jawan Howard of the Fab Five fame is coming back to Ann Arbor to take over the Wolverines' head coaching job. He is, and I will start with a bold proclamation right now that when it is all said and done, Jawan's career will not be known most for his Fab Five era, but it will be known most for what he does as head coach of the Michigan Wolverines. You were throwing out wild names last week. I know Ryan definitely thought Billy Donovan was going to be the next coach of the Maize and Blue, which I would have been hype. I mean, it would have been an absolute slam dunk, no-brainer hire. Uh, The problem is Billy Donovan is a coach of a pretty solid NBA team, and regardless of what rumors have been out there, he still is coach of said team. And if I were him, I wouldn't step down either, even – if it was for a good job like Michigan, uh, you're coaching an NBA team, dude. And Jawan Howard was my guy last week. That's who I said I thought they were going to end up hiring. I had my gut reaction when John Beeline was first left us was Yaklich. I thought it'd be good, look in-house, a guy I love what he's brought defensively to this program. He's really transformed this program on that end. He obviously could help keep the recruiting class together. If we were going to go outside the box and you weren't getting a guy like Donovan, you weren't getting a guy like Brad Stevens, you weren't getting a guy like Jay Wright, you're not getting these championship coaches from other successful programs. Nobody's doing it. You look at the trouble that UCLA had, a true blue blood of the sport with their coaching search. No no one is pulling. I don't care if Coach K required, retired today. They're not going out and getting Brad Stevens to come out of the NBA and go coach Duke. It's not happening. So the pie in the sky stuff was never realistic to me. And it's funny. The immediate reaction to Beeline leaving was Michigan program, programs in trouble. Who are they going to get to replace them? They're in a bad spot. The timing's terrible. Then this list with all these pie in the sky names came out. And then everyone had the, oh, Michigan is a top 10 program. They're going to make a huge splash higher, blah, 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 blah. Both can be true and false at the same time. Michigan is a borderline top 10 job in the sport. But that doesn't mean that you're going out and just plucking a title coach from somewhere, especially this light in the coaching cycle. If you're a top 10 program in the sport, you getting a name coach. I'm telling you right now. The guys that were on that list, Tony Bennett, Jay Wright, 
Brad Stevens, Billy Donovan. If Coach K required retired today, Duke would not get any of those guys. That is the reality of the hmm. sport. That's the reality of a coach making a lot of money to already be comfortable somewhere. That's Why a big claim. I, I wasn't even going to go with Duke because it's Duke. It wasn't going to be oh, a fair I'm comparison. But I'm you want to go so far to say if top. Coach K left Duke right now, they wouldn't get a name head coach. No, I mean, they could easily poach someone, but that's not provable. Or in, they they want to poach one of those guys that I just mentioned. Yes, they would, but no, it, it doesn't no. really matter because it's not going to happen. No. Well, it doesn't matter. The guy they did get is, he's is coach a there till he twenty-year dies. NBA vet who played for the 19. Washington Bullets. The Washington they were the Bullets still. The Washington Wizards, so same team. Dallas, Denver, Orlando, Houston, back to Dallas, back to Denver, Charlotte. Portland, and then in 2010, 11, and 12 was with the Miami Heat. And then after a brilliant 19-year, 10-team career, he moves on to to coaching, where he goes literally from playing to being an assistant coach on the bench, where he has been ever since until apparently now. So Ryan, tell us why it's going to fail. So it's going to fail because, one, he doesn't have any of the experience that he needs. Two, him getting passed up for uh, – so he got passed up, obviously, for all those NBA jobs. I don't know why Michigan would be the first job that you would give him. He'll probably be able to recruit pretty well because he'll be able to relate to the kids that are in that situation because, obviously, he was once – one of those players, but there's not a great track record of uh, the. We saw the list earlier today of the former what was it McDonald or the former NBA players um, who are now coaching or former NBA Jam players who are now coaching in college. I mean, the only one that's really making a lot of head uh, a lot of headlines is uh, Penny Hardaway, but he was also like the head man at one of the biggest AAU programs in the country, so he has that pipeline already. And the people and the places that people are talking about Jawan Howard is able to recruit mainly Chicago, which is where he's from. You're not poaching Chicago without getting your hands dirty. That's where you're going to get a guy like uh, who wants to Simeon, right? Derrick Rose, uh, who else? Like Jabari Parker. Like guys where you look at and you're like, okay, there's clearly something shady going on with those dealings. And I don't think he's going to be shady at Michigan, so he's also not going to win a lot of those elite coaching uh, battles that you can win. So in terms of, like, in-state, none of those 18-year-old kids, they don't care about the Fab Five. Why would they? They were they were even younger than us, or me, Paul, and Dylan, and we don't remember the Fab Five at all outside of one documentary that they had, and then obviously the clips here. But it's not like Juwan's from Detroit. One thing that might help him is, uh, you know, Jalen Rose is obviously a big personality on ESPN. Telling kids through his school, I'm sure he's, you know, pretty, uh, pretty into the local basketball scene. Go to Michigan, but it's not like he hasn't been doing that for years already. And Michigan still hasn't been winning the recruiting in the state for them. And obviously, so just to back on the inexperience, the the X's and O's are something that we don't know that Juwan Howard can do. Like, it's an unknown. I'm not just going to assume that the man can do it. It's a definite step down from B-line, and I do think that it has big 
you know, kind of blow up in your face potential for Michigan. Um, it feels like to me, and I mentioned this in the chat earlier, that they even rushed the hire a little bit. I know there's the, the recruiting cycle and everything else. Uh, what's his face? Jalen, whoever, whoever Jalen. Uh, he didn't leave the program yet, but would he open up his recruitment back or something? Something along those lines. But they he only did. He asked kids. for his release from the school. And I believe asked they already reasons. granted it to him. If they haven't already granted it to him, they're going to grant it to him. But, as you said, he hasn't left yet. He can still commit with the school. Uh, I want to see what happens with the assistant coaches. Um, there's a good chance he goes to Kansas. But, if Yak remains on staff... Michigan has a really good shot to retain him. You already said you think Jawan's going to recruit fine, and he is. I would go out on a limb, and actually, I don't even think it's that big of a limb. I think he's going to recruit better than Beeline. Now, Beeline's recruiting. Not, see, not not towards the Beeline's recruiting got better towards the end, and I don't think there is any type of way Jawan Howard can develop talent as good as Beeline did. He couldn't even develop his own son to be a good, you know, basketball player. Shout out Jawan Howard. <laughs> So no, like one of twenty against Oakland. I was I was just actually about to say the same thing. Beeline's recruiting is a little bit of a bad rep because Beeline was never at good recruiting schools, and obviously it took him a while to build Michigan to what it is now. And, and once he got that going, Beeline's recruited pretty well. He's got top one hundred guys with a bit of consistency and guys just outside of that range, guys that are generally two, three year players that he can develop for a couple of years before sending off to the pros. You're talking about eleven guys in, in Beeline's tenure at Michigan that he sent to the pros early before they graduated. And uh that doesn't count guys like Derek Walton and other guys that have bounced around in the league for a little bit that actually did finish their entire career at Michigan and graduate. So, it, no, his recruiting was not bad, but he was never able to fully take the next step. And it felt like Michigan was getting close to doing that. And it, it's really a testament to how just great of a teacher that Beeline is in in salesman almost that he could get these kids on campus and recruit the way he has because everybody knows beeline did it the right way that's the big thing about beeline is, is he didn't stick to the dirty tactics but he was a really old school guy he is he's the guy that did not offer you until you've come to the school he's not even giving you a scholarship offer until you've come to michigan that's just absolutely unheard of in sports today i mean you look at a uh, scoop, scoop over the football team and you send hundreds of feelers out at the beginning of every single cycle. And it doesn't stop. It just keeps going and you just keep sending more offers, most of which are not even committable until you actually enter into a relationship with a player and get them on campus and do all these different things. But Beeline did things a lot differently and it worked. And one thing that you are right about is Juwan Howard is not going to be the X's and O's guy, X and O guy that Beeline was. And he's not going to develop players the way Beeline was. But that's any single coach that has been discussed even. There's not a single coach in college basketball that did those things the way that Beeline does. You're not Beeline Jr. is not walking through that door unless you guys wanted to hire his son Patrick, who is probably not ready for this job. So if you look at what's actually on the table and where you want to go, Jawan Howard should be able to keep up with recruiting and keep it trending in a positive direction. But to act like his X's and O's are, are somehow, well, I guess you said it's an unknown, right? But what isn't at this point? 
do you really want to hire uh, uh, a guy like LeVar, Laval Jordan? Do you no, want to? He's, he's bad too. <laughs> he's what? He's bad too. So who do you who do you want to hire? What kind of what kind of coach are you looking to hire from this job? Anyone oh, that you bring, I want you to hire Jawan Howard as a Spartan. We, I want you to so, hire Jawan Howard. Uh, if, Please. If, if I was Michigan, I would have wanted like given the three guys that you had at the end, which were Cooley, Yaklich, and Jawan Howard, is what it sounds like. I would have taken Yaklich ten times out of ten. Same. Out of out of that pick of the litter. So Yaklich is fine, but he doesn't have any head coaching experience. Neither does what are you Howard. getting with him? What you're getting experience in the college? Why team. do you so all Which this Dwight experience? First of all, he's going to surround himself with guys that have experience in college. But when you go into a kid's living room, who is a highly regarded recruit, and his ultimate goal is to get to the NBA. Do you think that kid is more impressed by the 20 years you spend in college? Or do you think that that kid is more impressed by the fact that you played and won a championship with LeBron James, coached LeBron James, and spent almost a decade learning under Eric Spolstra and Pat Riley? What do you think that kid's more impressed by? And speaking of learning, that's what he's been doing. You want to talk about X's and O's. I can't think of two better basketball minds that you would want to learn under to become a coach. And you can say what you want about it being unknown, but this guy is extremely highly regarded in NBA circles. NBA circles, not college. I don't care about college. This guy is extremely high, highly regarded should. in NBA You're circles. How he coach. connects with players, how he develops players, how he is on the defensive side of the ball where he specializes in developing bigs. The way that he engages, a you can ask anybody, there's not an assistant coach in all of the NBA that is involved with his team, both game planning and in-game, that he is. Uh, he was a, a, almost almost an associate head coach. Like He was just that second guy at all times. Miami did not want, does not want to see him go. I, I know I sent an article to you guys earlier that I'm sure you didn't read. That was written a couple months ago, long before the speculation that Juwan Howard would take another job. And it was how Miami could not afford to lose him a second time, alluding to when they lost him as a player and then now losing him as a coach because he meant that much to their program. He's not even the head coach. And you're, you're talking about, well, why would Michigan hire a guy like this with no experience to be a first-time head coach for your program? Why would an NBA team do it? Because the belief was around the league, and no Minnesota didn't pull the trigger, but the belief was that within the or next year or two. Or any other six two, teams that interviewed him. Right. Within the next year or two, you could ask any NBA guy, all of them, expected Juwan Howard to be a coach of an NBA team with no head coaching experience. So if he is good enough to coach an NBA team, it is absurd for to turn around and say that I can't believe Michigan would hire this guy with no head coaching experience. The college angle is ridiculous and overplayed. He will surround himself with the guys that he needs to do to make the transition. But the game is not especially what he's trying to do and especially what Michigan's been built for is not vastly different than the NBA today. The offensive principles are the same unless you run a gimmick offense. The defense, again, the same unless you're running a gimmick like you like a lot of people wanted to bring Shaka Smart in. We've seen how that's gone from him at Texas. It's gone so well he's completely abandoned it. He, if you look at risk and reward, 
any guy you bring in is going to be a risk. There's going to be a drop off from anybody who's not John Beeline. A hundred percent. Okay, but why not happen, take the risk on the, the guy beginning. who learned at the foot of John Beeline, who has knowledge of the program, been with because the program, he helped the program win. Have, you're talking Meanwhile, Juwan Howard about is, is you're talking about whittling Jordan? around at five hundred with Miami. He's talking about Yaklich. I'm talking about Yaklich. Oh, you're talking about Yaklich. I'm talking about the guy who's been learning under Beeline at Michigan, helping with that defense, for, for designing that defense for the last two, two years. years. Two very two years. good years for Michigan, a national championship appearance, and then a so Sweet think, 16 So appearance. you think two years. And listen, you guys know I love Yaklich. You know that. He was the first name out of my mouth when Beeline left, the very first. But Jawan Howard, I will take over him all day. It's not a golf. But yes, I'm going to take the guy that had a 19-year NBA career, that was a McDonald's All-American, that played and coached LeBron James, that learned under Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra for a decade. Yes, I'm going to take that guy over the kid who learned under Beeline for two years. Michael Curry and John Kister learned under Larry Brown. Their resumes are incomparable. There is nothing – you could stack up everything that Yaklich has done. You could take everything Yaklich's father and grandfather did. I don't even know if they were involved in basketball. I don't care. He has nothing on his resume that even enters the conversation of what Jawan Howard has on his resume. And they have the same amount of head coaching experience. So why in the world would I the, – the, the things that Yak had going for him was he's here. He, he recruited these guys. He knows the program inside and out. He's, yes, learned under Beeline, so he can continue in that direction. But at the same time, he's a completely different coach than Beeline. He is a defensive guy, which Jawan Howard actually is as well. But it's not like he's going to come in and be John Beeline because he was here for two years with him. His, his resume pales in comparison to Jawan Howard's. And the thing is, you're taking a risk no matter who you hire. And there's going to be drop-off, especially in the beginning. If you were going to take a risk, in, in, no matter who you hired, you weren't hiring Brad Stevens. It wasn't happening. So no matter who you hired out of the candidates, there is a good chance that it's going to fail. Because believe it or not, most head coaching hires do. Most head coaching hires are not successful. That's why we have the carousel Thank every you, single Obvious. year. So if you're going to take a risk, why would you not risk it on a guy like Jawan Howard, who by all accounts loves the school by all by by people close to him think that this is not a stepping stone job that if he was offered the Timberwolves job and offered the Michigan job that he would have easily decided on the Michigan job people close to him think that he's going to be here for the long haul now I'm not going to say he's going to be here for 30 years and retire that hardly happens in today's game as it is but I do think this is similar to a Jim Harbaugh situation the difference of course being all the experience that Harbaugh had. I'm not trying to compare their resumes, but as far as the coming home and wanting to be at a place like Michigan and sticking around for a while, I do think that is the plan if he's successful. So if he's successful, you get a really young guy who can be here for the long haul, who you know is going to crush it on the recruiting trail, who you know is going to fire up both the fans and the alumni base and have all the support in the world from the school. Why, if you're going to take that risk, would it not be on a guy like that who has the resume he does, who's learned under the all-time basketball greats that he's had, played with them, coached under them, has the reputation that he has in the NBA? I, I just, to me, it's unfathomable, and I've heard it all. 
I, I turned into the tuned into the radio the past two days for the first time in a long time. I don't have a lot of time lately, and you guys know how I feel about our local sports stations. But I, I tuned in. I wanted to hear what they're saying. I've read a ton lately, and I've seen. I, I think it's hilarious that both Michigan fan and Spartan fan, you guys, are both fired up about the hire. And it's mind-boggling to me that of all the options out there that this is the one you want because the odds are that whoever Michigan hires is not going to pan out long-term. But if this one does pan out, it spells the biggest trouble for everybody else because it has the highest ceiling and the most longevity to it and the best chance of getting off the ground quick. So I just, to me, it's crazy that you would rather have, you would rather have a guy like Juwan Howard to play against than a guy like Yak. That just blows my mind. That's, that that needs a response, by the way. We're not ending on that. You talk for like 15 fucking minutes. What do you mean it needs a response? <laughs> like I'm supposed to remember everything you said. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's no, the last part he's talking about needs a response. And no, it's not it's not just Howard and Yaklich. When we were talking about this last week, there were some big names in there. And I would rather Billy Donovan. Yeah, I can say that. I might be proven wrong. Jawan Howard might end up being a phenomenal head coach in the college game or even in the NBA game. As of right now, he is also still a very much an unknown. And the names that were thrown out there along with him were very much known commodities in the college game. One more so than the other. Back-to-back championships of Florida, whatnot. Another one out there was Brad Stevens. But you weren't getting well them. Butler. I, you have to establish that they were never coming here. Oh yeah, that, that we, was oh that's ridiculous. been established. So when you when you actually look at reality, who are you hiring that has a better potential and better risk reward than Juwan Howard? Nobody. Not if you not if your goal is to win a title. Certainly not if your goal is to win a title. See, I don't, I don't see that tie-in of just saying just that Juwan Howard is your highest ceiling for a chance to win a title. That I don't make with it. The connections with him in the school, the years he's had under Pat Riley, that's fantastic. And you make very good points on that. And Pat Riley is, in my mind, one of the top probably three greatest head basketball coaches in the NBA uh, of all time. And that's me. There's some bias there, obviously. Um, But the man knows what he's doing. He's proven that for a very long time in the professional game. Uh, Jawan Howard's been there for six, seven years after retiring and it's a long time to learn under a man. Doesn't mean you're going to pick it up and automatically transfer it. And while all the talk was that he was going to be the next head coach last year, well, a bunch of teams looked at him and they all said no. There might be a reason why. But as a Spartan fan, a wolf, the Wolverines taking an unknown commodity, I'm fine with that because we have a known commodity in Tom Izzo and he knows what he's doing in the college world and has been doing it very successfully for 20 years uh, so I'm very happy with the situation that the Wolverines find themselves in and I think the part about him learning under Pat Riley and Eric Spolster is overrated there are plenty of coaches that came from great coaching trees that ultimately cannot do what their predecessors did Like so oh. Steve Kerr learned under Phil Jackson which is great but so did Derek Fisher <laughs> I mean, there's no question that uh, obviously every successful head coach doesn't breed other successful coaches. You flip over to the NFL and look at Bill Belichick's coaching tree and how absolutely terrible it's been. But the biggest thing is how he's regarded by the people he works with, by other teams, the players that he works with, the people that he works under. 
and not a single one of them thinks that he is not an NBA caliber coach. So you're telling me I get an NBA caliber coach with all of the history he has, all of the hype and experience and resume he's going to bring in, the recruiting, and he can't piece it together better than a guy like LeVar Jordan or, or Yaklich. I'll take my chances with him 10 times out of 10. While his and everyone NBA... thought uh, Mo Cheeks and Michael Curry were NBA head coaches too. Wait, how are y'all going to hate a Mo Cheeks? The man coached 600 basketball games as a head coach. What was his record? Oh, it's not good. It's 305 and 315. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, um, I'm just saying, you coached long enough to coach 600-plus games as a head coach in the NBA. I mean, you wasn't a flat-out bust, I'll tell you that much. Flat-out busts don't get 600 games under their belt as a head coach. I'm just saying, that doesn't mean you can coach. He's obviously highly regarded. but I, I mean, maybe if you coach teams with the, like the Portland Trailblazers and you're going to suck dick every year and then give your starting guard $48 million. Can we please talk about the most embarrassing playoff performance I've ever seen in the history uh, of sports? That's not fair. Portland no, matches so that. The- no, it's not fair. Portland is traditionally, you've seen it over the last so many years. They do not match up well with the Warriors. I will say. I mean, the. I mean, the Pistons had a worse playoff performance this year. Like, they lost no, by no. more points in their hell sweep. No. So, I, I will say I'm going to talk out both sides of my mouth here because I'm going to be Dylan for a little bit since he's not here. And I said this game, this series was going six. And to that end, I will say that the Portland Trailblazers had 17-point leads in three straight games, two of which were at home. They led... 101 minutes to like 83, they led more of the series than Golden State. Oh, so like Michigan versus Michigan State this year. So this is like the dumbest, most absurd sweep I've seen in a while. But none of that makes up for the fact, and I, I just, I'm just throwing that out there to say, hey, this kind of could have maybe went six games in some other universe. But none of that makes up for the fact that the second best basketball player on the planet Kevin Durant did not suit up a single game. So you had a mostly, regardless of what Dame says, full-strength Trailblazer squad against a Warriors team without their best player. But it's not just that the Warriors are without Durant. Having Durant on the team means the Warriors are not nearly as deep as they've been in recent years. So not only is Durant gone, but it's not like you have the role players that you've had in recent years to be able to step up in his absence. Then Iggy's gone. Andre Iguodala, we all know how important one he's of been those to that role team. players, <laughs> and he's been—he's—I been, would argue—he's been. I mean, it's—it's it's hard to not be more than a role player with the guys that they have on that team, but he's been almost as important as anybody to that team, holding that team together, especially in key moments, especially stretched down the stretch in the playoffs. I mean, he was only out for Game Four, wasn't he? Yeah, he missed and in a second, elimination and a lot of, game. Lot of, like a lot of the second and he half was banged of game up. Three, he I was thought. banged up too, but he misses along with Kelly's name. Game Four. An elimination game that Portland plays yeah, at what was, home. What was Dame playing with? What was his his cracked ribs? His sep, uh, separated ribs. I think. He was separated playing with ribs. a cracked oh. vagina is what Dame was playing with. Oh, okay, yeah, because it's easy to breathe, let alone shoot a basketball with separated mm-hmm. ribs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see Steph shooting just fine with one finger. So I will take a messed up finger versus separated ribs he's he's also a better player i've played basketball with a broken finger i don't know if i'm playing basketball with separated ribs. you are at home with your season on the line in elimination game your opponent is missing two of the most important players on their team including the second best player in basketball 
you have a 17-point lead, and you lose that game, you should not be allowed in the playoffs the next season. Like, I don't care if you go 82-0, and you're not allowed to play playoff basketball You're ridiculous. That is the it's most... A, it's a blown lead. It's a blown lead with a team playing such with a busted-up leader, missing a huge a talent series. all you year. You get swept all, all by a team missing their best player. And, and you're still playing the best team in the NBA. Yeah. Well, they are not the best team without Oh, KD. they are the best team in the NBA. Yes, the Warriors KD. are still... Right, the, even without, without Kevin KD. Durant. Hell, they no. are the best team. Yes, they without, are. Are you without, out of your mind? No, no. Without right, Kevin Durant... Without Kevin Durant, they lose. Without Kevin Durant, they, this squad won a championship. The core no, no, players stop, stop, stop. of this what squad just, just, has won no, a championship. The core players, that's the key thing. Because they have Kevin Durant, they don't have a lot of the other players that need to play valuable minutes. Oh, no, no, no. Even some of those core bench players they, I mean, are, they on can, that, are playing valuable they've minutes. they replaced them. Like, Kevin Looney's having an insane playoff run. McKinney played well last game. Throughout the playoffs, he's been eh. Sean Livingston better this series. What about my man Bell? He's he's not as disappointing as he was last year. I'll give him that. Oh, okay. And he played he played he played pretty well like the past two games. No, but I mean, tell me game one of the NBA finals, Sean Livingston goes off for thirteen points and five assists, and you're surprised? I wouldn't be surprised never, at all. Can we never use the word goes off in front of thirteen points in the, ever again? Uh, for a bench player that leads your that plays about all of twelve minutes in the game, yes, I can. I, mean, I guess Toronto's bench had the history's greatest I mean, people, game. Tonight, people were then. playing. Seth went off after what do you have sixteen? That's because people just want Seth to be a thing. Yeah, the difference is Sean Livingston plays an important role on that squad for only so many minutes. But when he's in those games and he does what he does in those games, you're not looking at a stat line much higher than 13 minutes for him. I just, there are big, important impressive. 13 minutes while Steph's sitting on the bench. I will say it's crazy impressive that a 55-year-old man can put in that many NBA minutes a game. Nah, the man missed a whole bunch of years healing from a horrible, horrible leg injury right when he was starting to get going, too. He was also ass this year. But like I said, in this no, series, this year, he yeah. that bad. That's what, and that's what I mean. You know, we're saying the same. You know, we're saying the same thing about Kyle Lowry coming into this series against Milwaukee. How bad was he against the Sixers? Yo, How good oh, has he oh, been who, against Milwaukee? Who's we? Who's we? That's different, though. Who's like, we? Because Kyle Lowry's a starter. Like Sean Livingston, you you can expect him to like play like ass because of how old he is. He's not that old. He was just, he got injured so damn young. Uh, he looks like he's 90. He's always looked like he's older. Isn't he like 35? How are you going to tell me he's not that old? Is he 35 now? I don't know how old he, he is. Like he looks 32. like he's about 85, so. Maybe he was 33. 30. He's 33? Yeah, it's still old. It ain't that old. Magic Johnson what? was dropping triple doubles at 32 years old. It ain't that old. It's Magic Johnson. Well, so one, he was younger. Two, it was Magic Johnson. Younger by one year. You're splitting hairs here. I'm not splitting hairs. You're splitting <laughs> Magic Johnson and Sean I'm Lewis. just saying, thir- 33 is not that old when you're playing in basketball in 2019. Not with the technology we have. Not with... Not with with the, the technology <laughs> we have. Yeah. Let's make yeah. Sean Livingston great again. Uh, medical technology Jeez, that includes tech. medicine, that includes... The science that comes with it as far as what people are doing with their bodies nowadays to stay in better condition, 33 is not that old. And on legs that missed about, what, I don't know, three, four years, really, of his NBA career, healing from that yeah, injury. Yeah, like those are fresh legs. <laughs> like those are hurt legs. Very hurt those legs. Those are 
salvage title legs. <laughs> We're about to bring Greg Oden back. He's going to be so fresh. That man can grab some rebounds right now, I bet. Bet. We're going to see him in the big three. <laughs> oh, bring man. Bill Walton so back. You guys, He's a young so you guys 65. Uh, obviously do not agree with me. So tell me why Portland does, doesn't deserve all of the attacks and shame in the world. Because they were never going to beat Golden State in the first place. Hey, it's right. not about beating Golden State. It's about being competitive. But, when the but other they team weren't going to lose in less player. than five. They were competitive. They had double-digit leads on Golden State. They just couldn't seal the deal. That's competitive. What are you talking about? It took fourth-quarter comebacks in every single game for Golden State to win outside of game one. A competitive sweep. I know. I've heard absolutely. We gave the, we gave the, the Cavaliers last... one of those a few years I ago. I was just I was just going right. to say that. I've heard that phrase before. When yeah. Stanley Didn't Johnson, the last game going Stanley Johnson was the next big thing because he bodied up LeBron in a Made I him remember. Work. Made him I work. remember. I remember those days. But no, but unfortunately for Portland, Golden State treats them like Kobe treated them in the early 2000s and just giving them buckets all day long. 36 and a half points in these four games for Steph Curry. The man that you have touted so much crap about. Unwarranted no, crap not about. Not true. Oh, so true. What are you talking about? I don't know. You have hated on I this man. Say, I don't know how many times I can say Forever. greatest shooter Forever. in NBA history. Yeah. and then and yet, but there's always a but. A there's always a but afterwards with you but when he comes to So it's a backhanded compliment. You're out of your butt. That's that's, oh, that's so stupid. God, are you kidding? So, I, Ryan, I'm not. We can't. We'll be here forever. He will not give. He will not give up on this. It's absolutely asinine and ridiculous. That the two-time MVP, first-time ever unanimous MVP, three-time going on four-time NBA champion, leader of these NBA champions, most important player they got before KD came along. And he averaged 36.5 points while dishing out like seven assists a game and pulling down damn near 10 rebounds a game. The, he almost Steph, averaged a triple-double in the playoffs Steph last year. Steph Curry getting nine rebounds a game, not in the by playoffs the way, in the finals. Tell, tells you how well Portland played. I mean, no, it tells you how well absurd. Steph Curry played. That's crazy. I don't, listen, I mean, if, Steph's I, one of the better rebounding point guards in the NBA. My, my and he has been eating Portland's lunch for years. Speak, you talking know, about? I, it's I a will, bad matchup for them. I will give you, and, and there's not... Honestly, this series was just an abomination on all accounts, so there's not a whole lot to talk about here. But I will give you, Golden State has absolutely had Portland's number. It reminds me a lot of what LeBron did in Cleveland to to the Toronto Raptors. And the Toronto Raptors are the team that I really want to talk about because this game is not going five, as I was told it would very vehemently. And then Ryan's arguments were apparently so convincing that he even flipped the narrative and got Dylan, who never changes his mind about anything, to jump on board and be like, yeah, Milwaukee in five. I don't see Toronto competing. Well, Toronto more than competed tonight as they raced Milwaukee out of the building. That the team that I heard was so deep, yeah, the Bucks had two people score more than, what, 11 points? Two people on their team. They had... Chris Dunn and Giannis. Congratulations. Chris Dunn. Wow, Chris Dunn is leading Milwaukee. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Chris Middleton. My bad. I'm sorry. That's I'm you know what? Might as well have been Chris Dunn out there for as well as Milwaukee played. So you got Toronto, who apparently has nobody on their team except Kawhi, but they got 
I love how you're so busy attacking Ryan that you're not praising everything I was saying about the help Kawhi had. We'll get to you. Appreciate that. We'll get to you. I'll stroke your. So busy hating on some man. I'll stroke your ego in a minute. So you got apparently Toronto's only Kawhi, but they got six people scored more than 13 points tonight. So hail to them for not being deep at all. Kyle Lowry, who all y'all did, including you, Mister Want My Ego Stroked, shit on all week last week. Just never does anything in the playoffs completely irrelevant. And I made a, a very fun bet on this airwave where I get to double up, actually, because Ryan joined in on the fun because he is just absurd in his concrete. Now, he, I think he got caught up in the Dylan self-assured, this is the only thing that can happen. And he took up on that action. Kyle Lowry's averaging, what, 21 points this series? Something like that? 22 points? He's having a pretty good something. series. How many? I said something. Don't you go. He's having a great series. So we got... Uh, Kyle Lowry's having a great series. I didn't say he series. wasn't. Oh, like you. I was talking about Paul. I was talking about Paul. I was talking about Paul. We're 2-2, two two, headed back to Milwaukee. Toronto has clearly turned things around. Kawhi didn't even play all that great tonight, and they ran Milwaukee out of the building, which that is the most important development. So, Matt, since you were the only one that was not all over... Toronto's chances and the fact that they had no chance. Tell me what you've seen out of this series. Toronto's gotten the help that I said they could get and they have gotten. Paul, uh, Paul, Jesus. Marcus All has woken up and joined the fray and been a part of this game. Uh, Serge Ibaka has woken up and joined this series as well. Uh, and they did what they're supposed to do. They won at home. They looked terrible in game two. They looked very good in game one, blew it at the end, had, what, zero points in the final four minutes, I think, of game one, where they could be up right now 3-1 in this series had they not blown that because they were all over them in game one. Game two, an embarrassment for Toronto. Uh, But they came home, they got the home cooking, and this thing is squared up, and we're guaranteed at least six. But they have to win one in Milwaukee. And while tonight, yes, Giannis only had Chris Middleton, who he should always have, and I've had issues with him falling off at important moments. And today was a very important one. And he shined. He played fantastic for him. Problem is, no one else did. Uh, Milwaukee needs to have some of these guys who've been playing above their pay grade continue to do so. And while their bench, you know, Ryan threw the numbers out there last week of how well their bench has played in the postseason, has been great. Not so great in Toronto. And... If it continues to stay not so great, they are in trouble because I think Toronto, and I said it before, does have better players around their top two when you're looking at three, four, five, and six than uh, Milwaukee does. But tonight, Toronto flexed their muscle, raced them out the building, squared things up, gave us a series, and Golden State's laughing their ass off because they just get to sit back and relax and watch as they get nine days off. So with this series, I know you said it could easily be 3-1 Toronto. It could easily be 3-1 Milwaukee. Each team has a blowout of the other one. Milwaukee blew them out in game two, and then each have a close win. I think game one was eight points. And then game three, Toronto won in, like, what, double overtime? Double overtime, So 2-2 yeah. two, two right now is where, obviously, the series should be. I think the, the biggest point to hold on to kind of moving forward is that they do have to win one. In Milwaukee, and I would trust Milwaukee to win one in Toronto more than I would Toronto to win one in Milwaukee. And Kyle Lowry has obviously played great this series. Him and Eric Bledsoe did some body shifting because Eric Bledsoe is not. Eric Bledsoe has played like ass, really, the entire series. Uh, Giannis had 
a bad game last game. Kawhi has been over the last over the last like five playoff games, he's kind of been hit or miss. It's like one on, one off, one on, one off. Um, but it's worked because he has gotten some of the some of the other help, um, you know, that just he hadn't gotten previously. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I, it's it's tough to overreact to two games at home because we saw this last series where Houston did the same thing to Golden State, and then obviously Kevin Durant went down, and people thought Golden State was going to lose the series, and then boom, they ended up winning the last two games. I still think that's kind of where we're headed at here. I do expect Milwaukee to win in Game Five um, with their home crowd being just kind of so nuts about it, and then I trust. I mean, both the coaches are just okay. I don't think either are tremendous, but I do trust Budenholzer, Budenholzer, excuse me, to be able to make adjustments more than Nick Nurse, only because he has been here, not necessarily with this team, um, but he has been a head coach before, where he's had to make adjustments. It just didn't work because he was going up against uh, LeBron, but he did have that run with the Hawks. So I trust his experience a little bit more in this situation. Um, but it is a better series than obviously I thought it would be going into it, which is cool because now that means we get to watch more basketball and I was actually yeah. kind of pissed if we had like two sweeps and then we have a week off or eight days off or whatever the case was to the finals so um, I'm hype I hope the series goes seven because that's just more basketball for me but at the end of the day I still I do still uh, expect Milwaukee to win you know, I gotta give you props though you did say you nailed Golden State you said that series was gonna be completely uncompetitive I gotta mm, ask he said five Five is uncompetitive. It's not a. That's because I thought they were gonna. I thought they were gonna dick around the game. <laughs> they did. They dicked I, around two games. They just came I, back. I'd over. argue they dicked around three games, but yeah, they shot they just well enough in Portland. So goddamn bad. It Word up matter. to Draymond Green. Thanks for saving him. So from the sounds of it, you think this is still only going six, Ryan? Yeah, I think it's be uh, the same situation we saw with Houston last series, where they took two at home, everyone got excited, and then, in my opinion, the better team, and in the Golden State-Houston series it came out to be, the better team uh, ended up, you know, kind of manning up and taking the last two. I mean, that would that's definitely the direct parallel, is Houston, if it goes the way you think it's going to go. I think this is the game for Toronto mm-hmm. to steal. I think they're I getting direct better, and not just better, but more confident in what they can do with Milwaukee. Obviously, Game 3 was the turning point in the series for Toronto to have any hope and not letting that game slip away in overtime. Something interesting, I thought, was the Raptors wasted Lowry's 30 points in Game 1 of the series, and then the Bucks really wasted Chris, Chris Middleton's 30 points tonight. And I just think it's funny that your, your second-best player on both teams going off in, in complete losing efforts. It's just something... And that's where the... Again, where we totally disagree about the depth of each team and where each team is built, and that I don't trust the Bucks role players over a long series. And when you have time to game plan for Kawhi, I'm sorry, not Kawhi for Giannis, with the help of Kawhi, of course. I I really think Toronto can win this in six, as I originally said. I, I don't. I'm not going to say that's going to happen. Um, obviously I was hoping Toronto would steal one of the first two and then win both at home to, to win in six, but that's still obviously very much on the table, but I think game five is the one to steal for them. Um, not that they can't win it in seven in Milwaukee, but it's going to be very difficult. It's going to be difficult to take that game on the road, but that's what you have to do 
when you're the lower seed. I, I'm John Madden over here, right? Well, you got to win one on the road if you're going to win the series. No shit. Well, I, yeah, but I think what you point to what you were talking about, what I said when this series started was, you know, I didn't actually say it as well last week, but experience to me always matters. And Milwaukee doesn't have the experience that certain players on Toronto do. Kawhi has won course. a championship. Uh, Lowry has been to the Eastern too. Conference Finals. Serge Ibaka, I believe, has been to the Western Conference Finals. Um, I think he went, to the, he went to the finals. Did he go to the finals? Was he with that squad? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, you know, Marcus Gasol has been to the at least second round, if not the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I think there was a year where Memphis kind of surprised people and made a deep run. Um, yeah, I think they lost to the Spurs in the Western yeah, Conference Finals. But they they have these guys who have been here in these important moments where, you know, you you know you get a little tighter and you're breathing a little differently and you got to get through it. And these guys, these guys have, and Milwaukee's guys haven't. And I think that plays a factor, and we're gonna, we're about to find out because we got three very important games, two of them for sure, uh, but possibly three, and what has turned out to be a pretty damn good series so far for the Eastern Conference. I, I mean, I have a feeling you guys will disagree instantly, but it, I think he's going to play regardless. But if KD does not play the finals, Toronto will beat Golden State. We've KD's seen the way... The We've seen, I think he is too. Katie's playing in the NBA well, Finals. Yeah, I, I think if, he'll play every also, game. If he I can, and I think he can, KD he's playing gonna, in the NBA Finals. I also didn't think KD was going to go join a 73-win team either. So you never know what KD's uh, going to do. KD, I did. I, I, I was not surprised by that. Look at how much fun they had playing basketball. Look how much fun he wasn't having playing in OKC. Why wouldn't you want to join that team? That's true. KD is an interesting kind of cat. So you kind of Why wouldn't you want to stay, but he might not? Which yeah, is crazy. We'll, we'll see. I don't. He, I don't see. What, man, whatever. He, uh, yeah. Well, can, that. I mean, that'll be for a later show, obviously. <laughs> but I don't see why you wouldn't just stay. No. Just you know what? Going. I I didn't see why Magic Johnson wouldn't stay with the friggin' Lakers either. And he didn't. But yeah, back, back <laughs> he stab. He said. He well, said. Nope, I'm out the door. He, he, wanted, to, he, 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 he wanted to tweet and go on first take. He pieced out. He pieced out quicker than John Beeline. He's like. I'm good. Uh, yeah, the, season, the NBA on. season was still going on. The Lakers season was over it's, already. But oh, wasn't it their last game of the season? Something like that. <laughs> that he stepped the, down? The Lakers misfunction is honestly really sad to me. And I know it's sad to Matt as the extremely conflicted person that somehow grew up a Lakers and Pistons fan, which we would make fun of him more for if he didn't have at least somewhat valid reasons. Like I can kind of accept it. It's not – ironically – it's not as bad as Dylan's bandwagoning. Oh, not it just close. makes no rhyme or reason no, at all. My it's teams have been my team since childhood. But we love Dylan, and that's part of what, what we love about Dylan is his absurdness at times. But speaking of uh speaking of the Lakers and Dylan, Dylan's out in the mountains smoking peyote with Phil Jackson right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I he's, mean the Lakers, he's getting that Adam Silver address. He's about to show up, high as all hell, get the bulls a better pick was so good for the Lakers for like five minutes. They had this run of being bad, and then they woke up and they're like, we're the Lakers. They drafted a couple guys, a couple young guys. They look like they're going to be solid players. They got LeBron there. You have Magic Johnson supposedly running your team. Laker, great, brilliant basketball mind. You have a respected guy in Rob Palinka by his side. Respected by who? When, when he was Kobe. the 
past couple no, years. Right, Kobe, no Kobe. genie bus. Oh wait, hang nobody on. In the and, NBA. And, and the and the Fab Five players because he was on that Fab Five. No, so you know, on, Jawan Howard, Chris Webber, Jalen Rose. Two years ago, two years Jimmy ago, Plinka had plenty of respect. It's like now, the most hated general manager yeah, in the because, NBA right now. Because now, according, like LeVar Ball said, he stayed in his lane. Again, we're not talking about hindsight. I'm talking about what the Lakers had going for them for five minutes. We'll get to what happened. But they had a respected guy in Plinka. They had, obviously we all know Magic Johnson. They had what was considered good ownership. They started off this year pretty decent. They were a top three, four seed in the West for a couple months before LeBron got hurt. And I don't think I've ever seen, at least not a franchise like the Lakers, one of the top two two or three franchises, really two. I mean, you can't throw the Bulls in there. They're the top two franchises in their sport. One of the best history in the entire sport. How do you tank that quick, that bad? LeBron gets hurt. All your young players quit because you want to trade all of them for AD. Your coach gets fired. Your your icon, the face of your freaking franchise, walks out the door because he thinks your franchise is run like the freaking Detroit Lions. Now, how does this happen? How is this allowed to happen in a place like L.A.? Uh, it's allowed to happen because you bring in the sideshow that is LeBron's world. Uh, Hold you... on. Whoa, whoa. No, oh, no, no, now no. i got to stop oh, you right there. Oh, you, oh no, you can't you stop me right there when the man was anyway. sp- spending so much time on the Hollywood side of things in L.A. that it was spoken about in Hollywood circles in L.A. The man is sitting there trying to bring people in for Space Jam 2. The man is sitting there doing things not conductive to having a good basketball season. Not the least of which, getting involved in trying to trade the whole damn team for AD. You also have injuries to your starting five from beginning of the season to the end of the season. This starting five barely played together. When they did at the beginning of the season, they were a pretty damn good basketball team. Were they ever going to win a championship this year? Absolutely not. Should they have been in the playoffs? Yes. Had health been on their side, they would have been in the playoffs. But health wasn't on their side. Lonzo Ball was down for a while. Kyle Kuzma was down for a while. LeBron James was down for the longest stretch of his entire career. You were missing important bodies who weren't getting that time on the floor together. And when they did come back, it was after the entire nonsense of the AD trade, where every single one of them heard their name was in the fire. Yes, And the one guy who has never had to deal with this his entire life is sitting there on the bench all smiles. This was a shit show from the beginning. When they went against their own words, when this all went down, when LeBron came to LA, it was... We're going to be patient about this. We know this is going to be a process. We're not expecting anything in this first year. Had they stuck with that, I think we would be in a better situation than we are in right now. But they didn't stick with that. They tried to trade the whole damn team for AD, and it blew everything up, along with all of the injuries from beginning to end of the season. Ryan, I know you're not the biggest LeBron fan in the world, but are you going to let him blame the Lakers' dysfunction on LeBron? That's all you the, got from the, that? The, that's all you the, got from that? Wow. That's all I heard. As soon as he heard LeBron, he just... Yeah, he just turned his he, ears he off. He went blank. No, I can't... You you, you take it from here. I, I'll, I'll follow up. I'm just in disbelief right now. I mean, obviously LeBron isn't 
responsible for getting Magic fired. But based on what Magic Johnson said, Magic wasn't fired. What are you talking about? Jake, Magic did not get you're right. fired. He's he stepped down. This that man fire stepped people. down. <laughs> so based on what Magic Johnson said on first take, and I watched the whole thing because there's no way I was ever going to miss that him taking a flamethrower to the entire organization and then saying, but I'm still a Laker at the end, was fantastic. But basically, he said when he got hired, he told Jeannie Buss, I'm going to be in and out because I have all my other businesses. I'm going to make more money doing that than I will be in the president of your team. Jeannie was like, all right, cool, no problem. Magic was like, so do I still have the authority to do X, Y, and Z? Jeannie was like, yeah, cool, no problem. So Magic's like, all right, bet. And then Rob Polinka comes in, and apparently Magic got a call from some of the other agents, because obviously Polinka was an agent before, saying, hey, you need to watch out for this dude, because he's like, he's just not a good guy. Like, he's a snake. He's going to do essentially what he ended up doing. Magic's like, nah, whatever, I'll give him a chance. So then Magic, so Magic starts hearing whispers from his friends, from people in the organization, saying, hey, Rob's saying that you're not, in the office enough and Magic's like what the heck I told Jeannie I wasn't going to be in the office because I have everything else going on like you know that was established from day one so Magic helps bring LeBron here I don't think LeBron comes to the Lakers obviously without Magic Johnson and at the I don't know what the what exactly that timeline was because I didn't pick up on that. But essentially, this season, Magic wanted to fire Luke Walton. He said, hey, we need to get a better coach in here. And then from what it sounded like, it was signed off on. Like, yeah, you're right. Um, but, you know, let's just give it let's give it a minute. Let's come back and think about it. Magic's like, all right, cool, whatever. So the Magic's like, hey, we still need to fire him. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> it became, no, we don't need to fire him you actually can't do that. And then he's like, what do you mean I can't do that? You said I had the authority. And they're like, well, not exactly. So something in there from what it sounded like, basically Magic saying was Rob Palinka doing his best Lord Varys impression and just getting whispers in everyone's ears. Uh, kind of sullied other people in the organization on Magic himself, and then for whatever reason made them doubt that he could do his job as effectively as he could have. Um, then they're asking about some of the other trades, uh, namely Zubac, which was funny, because he said, what'd he do in the playoffs? And it was like five points and five boards. And Magic was like, see, Magic basically called him trash on national TV. Uh, that's that's just kind of a side note. But to me, that was hilarious. Um but other than that, I think the dysfunction really starts with, obviously, uh, Genie Bus for just allowing all of that to happen. Um, and kind of a lot of the other stuff that we've heard from, uh, that we've heard from her publicly. Every time she says something, it seems like she's talking out of both sides of her mouth. Because then the opposite, you know, really just kind of ends up happening. Um, and then it doesn't look good for the organization. It's like what you're supposed to say but not if it's so blatantly going to be proven false in the next, you know, five to seven days. And then, of course, Rob Palenka, it, it seemed like he was gunning for Magic's job. Obviously, that's just based on Magic Johnson's story, uh, but it seemed like he was really just gunning for Magic Johnson's job. And then where I think a lot of that really trickled over into was their coaching search where they ended up having to settle on Frank Vogel. Um, you know, much like the the Michigan job, they had a bunch of other names that they preferred, and then uh, everyone else just told them no. 
you know, hey, we're not going to do this because, you know, I don't like your contract terms. I don't like that I can't pick my own assistants, X, Y, and Z. And then they had to settle on a dude who it was kind of clear wasn't their first choice, which obviously isn't the the, the best step moving forward. Um, so no, none of that's LeBron's fault. The only thing that's I would I would say would be LeBron's fault is the 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 whole thing with AD. Um, I know you say you know those guys are mentally tough enough yet, but all those guys are what 19 and 20. Like you don't expect them to be able to handle that so early in their career already. And just because they don't have that mental fortitude now doesn't mean you know along the line a guy like Lonzo Ball or a guy like Brandon Ingram that that talk won't right. Like that talk won't affect them or will affect them in the future, uh, but when you're just starting out and you're trying to get your footing and you were told, hey, you're definitely a part of this organization's future, you were, you know, one of the big reasons why people were kind of hyping up the Lakers besides LeBron. But it was, hey, look at all the young talent LeBron has around him. LeBron has Brandon Ingram, he has Kyle Kuzma, he has Josh Hart. You know, kind of all these young guys who played, even if it was just in pieces, they all played pretty well. Uh, the previous years they were in the league and this okay now they're going to get LeBron they're going to get that veteran leader and this team uh you know is going to not necessarily skyrocket and be like a finals contender but you know they're certainly going to be way better and all the players are going to be better for it and then you know all year you're hearing about hey you're going to get traded you're on the chopping block and it's just constant it's constant news every day because it's not just from the Lakers side it's from the Pelican side saying hey we don't like this guy we don't like this guy and then you had the reports about uh was a think LeVar Ball um LeVar Ball preferred his son go to not New Orleans, it was basically somebody else. Basically, he just preferred that his son didn't go to didn't go to New Orleans, and he went. I don't even know where where the other three team deal was. Maybe Phoenix or something like that. Uh, but basically, it's just it was just all these reports in the middle of the season when LeBron's hurt. So LeBron's obviously not saying anything about it. And then at the time, a lot of your other younger guys are hurt, and it doesn't really seem like anybody in the organization is sticking up for you. Everyone's just kind of like, yep. This is what we're trying to do, uh, you know, in the middle of the season when you're there and you have fans, media, you know, even family probably hitting you up every day like, yo, what's going on? And like, you don't know, you know what I mean? So that part, uh, I think LeBron can shoulder some of the blame for, but obviously the front office too. Like if you're going to get played by the Pelicans and have everything so, you know, so out there publicly is another thing Magic said is that he told Del Demps like, hey, let's keep everything on the down low. And then Dell was like, ha, 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 off. <laughs> uh, and leaked as every single angle he could uh, and helped help kind of deliver the final blow, at least to this year, to what was the, the Lakers situation. Um, but it's fascinating because, like Paul said, you know, kind of at the beginning of the intro, is it's one of the most storied franchises ever. And even everything happening with the Celtics, like no one thinks it's really a front office problem. It's just these players don't mesh well together. Uh but everything with the Lakers is just it's just from top down. You see, you know, total dysfunction and the story just the storylines that you see it's seemingly every day or every other day is something new that's you know, something wild that an exec said. Um, you know, something came out today where LeBron would love to finish his career in LA and he loves playing for the Lakers. Um, and obviously that I mean that part's not wild, but it's just there's there's a new story coming out every day. And it's fun to see how how that can happen to, you know, not even just one of the best organizations in, like, basketball, probably one of the top two organizations in all of American sports, at least, you know, like, right up there with the Yankees is the Lakers. 
All right, you get you're losing me a little bit on the all the sports, but it, like you said, it's it's top down dysfunction. It's pure chaos. Of all the things that Magic said in this, which I love his tour of exposing what's going on with the Lakers this is wonderful. By the way, of all the things he said, the one that struck with me the most is that Jeannie Buss. There's too many cooks in the kitchen, basically. She's listening to all these different people, friends, advisors, people in the basketball side of things, people not in the basketball things. Kurt Rambis' wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That He's the guy that runs the business side, right? And he's been uh, – they've been sticking not, there. Not anymore. He's about to run the whole thing. <laughs> That's the whole Kurt point, Rambis though. He's sticking, they're stick, sticking their nose where it doesn't belong, That's getting into the Rambis basketball side of his things. Whole career. And it's just pure chaos at the top. And when you have dysfunction at the top like that, it is impossible to to do anything well. And then you got a guy like Magic who likes to speak his mind, who is already jaded over certain things that you know how much it ate Magic up with all the tampering stuff and the fact that he couldn't uh, talk to guys in the off season even about working out. Was it Ben Simmons? Was it Ben Simmons last mm-hmm. year? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons. And, and, and he couldn't I mean, tweet just, about him. Yeah, just stuff that's absolutely ridiculous, and and you know that ate him up, so he's already feeling a little disenchanted with his role in that regard, and then he can't even do his job the way he expected to do his job, because he has all this chaos going, he has a team that's absolutely falling apart for a myriad of reasons, and the thing is, so you can say the way they handled the AD stuff wasn't done well, and that comes from not being organized and on the same page as a franchise. But one thing I will never knock them for, I don't care who's on your team. If you have the chance to acquire a player like AD, you do it. He's a top five player in all of basketball. I'd probably put him right at number three. He's absolutely phenomenal. He's a franchise-altering player, especially with a guy like LeBron James, regardless of what you have to give up to get him. The way that all went down is the problem. And the Lakers did get played a little bit. And the crazy thing is, I don't even blame the Lakers. It's not... AD was the one who said, yeah, it'd be cool to play with LeBron, right? Or did LeBron say it'd be cool to play with AD? I don't even remember. Someone asked one of the two. Would you like to play with whoever? And they're like, pretty yeah, sure of it was LeBron cool. who said it. It might have been LeBron, but it was a question. He was posed. LeBron's it known for saying that kind of crap. But it wasn't like LeBron just came out and was like, "Hey, man, we should try and get AD." I heard he doesn't like his situation. I. It was brought up to him, and of course LeBron's gonna be like, "Yeah, man, why the hell wouldn't I want to play with AD? He's one of the best basketball players on the planet." And then the Pelicans got all in their feelings and legitimately. Just played the Lakers. They had no intention of ever trading Anthony Davis to the Lakers. And they strung them along and exposed it to completely bury the franchise, which worked phenomenally. I mean, if you're a spiteful person, kudos to you. I, while I do love a good spiteful move like that, I do not support it at the expense of yourself, which I think that they did. They are going to lose AD for a lot less than they could have gotten from the Lakers and really just hurt both franchises. They got the number one pick gifted to them. We'll see what happens there. I think Zion's overrated anyways, but we're not going to get into that. But the Lakers just absolute pure chaos in what should be 
building towards contention and still can be. Don't get me wrong. You still have LeBron. And I don't care what anybody says. They're not trading LeBron. It's not happening. And good players will still want to go play there. They are still the Lakers. But they got to get their house in order. And the stuff with Genie Bus. But their house is not in order. So why would good players want to go there? Because it's L.A. and it's money and it's LeBron and it's a chance to win. And yeah, play but that the was best franchise yeah, but, in sports. But L.A. won when their house in was NBA, in order. Was, when Dr. Jerry Bus kept their house in order. I, I wouldn't say. I mean, L.A. has always had some level of dysfunction. I mean, look at Shaq and Kobe. No, doesn't matter. That's, that's that was from a player players. standpoint, though. Not well, in the true. office. That is in true. In the that's, office, that's it was always. And that's. But this can't go on like this. I mean, it has since he died. This cannot, but whether it's Jim Bus or Jeannie Bus and her entourage of former players' wives who are her best friends slash managers, it's been chaos since Doctor Jerry Bus died. But His kids when have Miss Slava Medvedenko comes uh, comes back into the mix. <laughs> <laughs> the I, only I man to get double digits against the Pistons not named Shaq or Kobe in the entire series, all five games. Fun fact: That's your stat of the day. That is absolutely your stat. And it was, of the day. I believe, ten points I in just, game five. I don't see. They're never going to be ran the way they were, but I don't think this dysfunction at this level can continue. I think there will be lines drawn. I think there will be roles given, and some people are going to be very upset, and some people are going to be fine. But I, I don't think it's going. This is the worst it gets. I think it was so bad this season, and I mean. It can't really get much worse, so I guess we're at a pretty low point to start from. But I think it's only going to get better. Well, it can't get any worse. They're in their they're in their worst slump in franchise history, and that's where Ryan said one of the greatest franchises in all the sports. And you said, "I don't know." No, you should know. Their six year slump is the longest in their history. They have the most appearances in the NBA Finals, the second most wins in the NBA Finals. They were the original dynasty of the NBA with George Mikan back in the day. And they have been in every single decade in the NBA Finals. This is one of the greatest franchises in all of sports and definitely since the modern era of sports. But right now, their house is completely in disarray and it is affecting what's going on on the, on the court. They so put together a team think, that made no hopeless? damn sense this year and a team that might have actually been something despite making no damn sense if they would have stayed healthy. The number of games missed by their seven most important players is ridiculous. So do you just think it's hopeless? Do I think it's hopeless? No, of course not. At some point, they're going to get things fixed. Do I think it's going to happen in the next year or two? No. I think the front office situation is hopeless if you have Genie Bus and Rob Palenka there. Because now the, the jury is out on Rob Palenka. Who wants to go work for him? Let's, and he's, so and he's not the, liked in the league. That is known. He is not liked or respected no, in the league. Yeah, I mean, How is that successful the for the Lakers? the situation is not fixable, then this team is not fixable because right, you're no, going to waste, gonna be gonna fired waste, in two years and it'll you're be gonna waste late. what LeBron has left and you're going to have to rebuild not just your team, but the entire front office, the entire structure of your franchise. And that is where I don't think it's going to get to that point. I think they are, like I said, I think they're going to define roles. I think they're going to move forward, not ideal, but enough to function enough to get enough good players around LeBron to contend within the next couple of years, not this year, but within the next couple. But it's all about disrespect. It's all about 
you got Rob Polinka, nobody respects him anymore. He backstabbed the darling Magic Johnson, right? It, Jeannie Buss doesn't know who to turn to. She's just pulling in all direction. Man. The Lakers are in complete <laughs> disarray, and they are not going to contend for a championship next year. Nope. And Kobe Bryant but, is sitting back, acting like Tyrion Lannister, and just laughing. He's just laughing his ass off at the disarray that House Lakers is in. Unlike Rob Polinka in the situation he's in, there have been many champions in NBA history that were also disrespected in a similar vein. And that takes us to where Matt posed an interesting question tonight. And this is how we're going to start our Grizzly Takes. Without Dylan, the creator of the Grizzly Takes, and this podcast, and all things that are good in this world, according to him, Ryan asked a simple question. Of all the championship teams in sports, who is the most disrespected key player on those teams? Who is the player that does not get the credit that they deserve for being a core part of a championship team? And we can start with Ryan. So this is... uh... I don't say this is inspired by Draymond Green balling out, and not that Draymond Green is necessarily underappreciated. So I hope we don't get, you know, a, a real obvious one like that. For me, one of the most underappreciated players, uh, and they only won one title, so maybe it makes sense that he's underappreciated. But it's someone that's near and dear, of course, to my heart, is Mr. Mebidokor, who played on the 2004. Pistons championship squad you don't really ever hear about him when you're talking about uh, that team but in the regular season he averaged 10 points uh, six boards and at the time when guys weren't shooting you know really from three uh, at all he was still able to hit 38% of his three-pointers again not not a lot of attempts but when he took them he didn't make them count um, you know, there's a lot of people talk about obviously the Rashid trade was the the main cog uh, in the Pistons winning that title, uh, but the play of Memino Core and some of the, obviously the other guys off the bench, um, a guy like Lindsey Hunter, um, I don't think John I don't think John Barry was on that team, um, but even a guy like Eldon Campbell, aka like the the shocks the Shaq stopper, excuse me, um, just throughout that season Memino Core was a guy that I was uh, really hype about, and then. <clears throat> we did uh we did lose him the following year uh to Utah and obviously we didn't win we didn't win the championship again. So it's a, a a correlation. All we needed was member. <laughs> yes. Uh that's Grizzly uh much lower level than I was thinking as far as disrespected champions. Um but Mehmet Okor was a very important part of that O four team that I was not there for the 05 team, if I remember correctly. And He was not. He went to Utah. Yeah, and he played very important minutes for us. I uh, was, you know, a big part of our offense and our defense when he was on the floor. And I <laughs> was very grateful for his contributions uh, while a Piston and was not happy with the fact that he was uh, sent off to Utah when the season was all said and done. And... I think had he still been with us the following year, we'd be talking about the Pistons being back-to-back champions. Um, I think he was that important of a role player for us. There's a lot of things that could have went differently, 
the Pistons should have been back-to-back champions. The Pistons just have a history of being robbed of repeats. Well, that is definitely Grizzly. Um, so I went bigger when I was thinking about disrespected champions. So you can stop me if you think that I'm way off base here uh, and I can find someone of a smaller name. But I am going with a man who went to 12 All-Star games, has legendary postseason numbers, including 16 points in 94 seconds and 25 points in a single quarter on a destroyed ankle for a team that was trying for years to break up the two monarchies in their sport. The leader of this team, one of the greatest players of all time, and never gets the credit when you drop the big names, the other big names in this sport. But our very own Isaiah Thomas, and this is not homerism. This is knowledge and respect to basketball. And because of what this man did behind the scenes, post-career, he is blackballed from the sport. And I don't understand why his name is never brought up. Because when he was playing and when Jordan was at his peak, the comparison was if Isaiah had five more inches, he'd be doing the same thing. But he was a small man. And he was the best small man in the game when he played. He led our Pistons to phenomenal years in a phenomenal era, breaking up the Celtics and then taking down the Lakers for back-to-back championships in three straight NBA Finals appearances. Should have been four had Bird not stolen the inbound and pass. And whatever it is, if it's the dream team and him not being on it, even though he rightfully should have been, if it's because Michael Jordan hated him so much, or if it's because of his own attitude with certain big situations, including his breakup with Magic Johnson at a very important time in basketball and in Magic Johnson's end of his career. But Isaiah Thomas is absolutely a disrespected champion. It's a hundred percent million percent Grizzly. You got people trying to say Steph Curry is better than IT. Just absurd. Unbelievable. I mean, he is not even, I mean, obviously everything with Michael Jordan, the dream team, uh, the fact that it should have been three straight championships and four straight finals. And hell, if you want, you can argue four straight champions. Uh, that the dynasty that wasn't almost, I mean, you don't, that team really was a dynasty and you don't hear them ever talked about in that regard, and a lot of people didn't like that team, and a lot of people didn't like their lead man, Isaiah Thomas. But the things he did, and when he did them, and who he did them against, uh, the fact that he is not talked about and brought up every time all these other people are, it's shameful. It's absolutely shameful. And I know I've been accused of recency bias quite a few times, and for this take, a lot of people will say, now I'm, now I'm being a homer. But, spoiler alert, I didn't watch Isaiah Thomas live. But I have watched as much Isaiah Thomas as I've watched the last decade of Pistons almost. And not the last decade of Pistons have been that fun, but this guy had more heart and more grit than anybody in today's NBA but he actually had the talent to back it up. And it's why I literally laugh 
when people want to compare guys like Steph Curry to him. So this is this is much too big to be grizzly. Um, it is cuddly. Isaiah Thomas is consistently talked about as one of the top two or three point guards ever. He's number two on a lot of lists, just behind Magic. Um, I do think Steph's better, but that's another discussion for a completely different day. Obviously, a fantastic player. He is named to you know the NBA all-time 50 greatest players whenever that was brought out in what 96 or something like that. So he's he's always mentioned up there. I do agree that that team does get lost in the shuffle when you talk about the Lakers, the Celtics in the years before, and then obviously the Bulls right after. So it's not, it's it's almost rightful that they get lost in that shuffle because the other teams did have more success than those bad boys did. Um, but I think Isaiah Thomas still does get his uh, his his proper respects in that uh, in that regard. Um, I'm going to throw one out here for Dylan because I know he does love it. Tyson Chandler, 2011 Mavs defensive anchor. As much <laughs> shit as I give that team and LeBron losing for them. Um, I know Dylan loves Tyson Chandler and he is spot on 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 that. The lobs, the defense, fantastic there. Um, but I will say Isaiah Thomas, cuddly, too big. So, since this is pretty much a basketball podcast, I'm going to keep it as such. And uh, I'm going to be recent on this one, very recent. Mine's Kevin Love. Kevin Love, period, as a player, does not get near the amount of respect he deserves. And his contributions to the Cavs actually winning a final series just completely overlooked. And yes, LeBron had a series for the ages, best in finals history. Yes, Kyrie hit one of the biggest shots in finals history. But... Kevin Love is the guy that sacrificed literally everything that he was to make it work as best he could and had so many key moments. And the one thing that I will never forget in all of that is his defense on Steph Curry. This is the one thing that Kevin Love gets trashed for the most, and that's his defense. He's kind of a big, stiff white dude who doesn't always, can't always keep up with smaller, quicker guys. And he literally, one-on-one, locked up Steph freaking Curry in one of the biggest moments of that series. And that's, it's not all he did, obviously. He played great all series. And he did that in not just a diminished role, but a confusing role. Where you didn't, maybe if they had a real head coach, it wouldn't have went down that way. But half the time, Kevin Love didn't even know what he was supposed to be doing on the court. Because the team didn't know what they wanted out of Kevin Love. But he made it work. And without Kevin Love, they don't even compete. So just like Matt's, uh, this one's too big on a lesser scale. I don't necessarily think that uh, that Kevin Love is underappreciated on that team. If I had to look at a guy on that team and say they don't really get the credit they deserve for how they played for that specific year, that specific team, uh, my guy would have been Richard Jefferson from that 2016 <laughs> I knew you were going to go with RJ. Man. He, a lot of big shots. <laughs> how can you? How can you say that's too big? No, I, Kevin Love too big. never gets talked about. Because he's still an all star that year. It doesn't matter. Like, he never, what do you mean? Like, people Kyrie, weren't disrespecting Steph Curry's game. I hear, not Steph Curry. I've heard uh, more Kevin people, Love's game. I've heard more people talk about J.R. Smith's contributions than Kevin Love's. You're you're breaking <laughs> up, so I can't hear you. But I'm going to assume what you said isn't true. 
Ah, what a great answer because it was so right. (laughs) (laughs) But cuddly. You heard more about J.R. Smith because he did dumbass shit. (laughs) He's J.R. Smith. That's why you heard more about him. He did a good shot at an important moment and then would do three dumbass things to make up for it. I want to say Grizzly because I'm a big Kevin Love fan, have been a big Kevin Love fan since he was fat Kevin Love back at UCLA. Uh, I've always thought that the Cavaliers misused him by putting him with LeBron and telling him to stand on the three-point line his entire game like he was old, old Rasheed Wallace. Uh, The Cavs did not know how to use him. He was not nearly as good as he should have been with the Cavs and LeBron. Um, Yeah, screw it. Yeah, I'll go Grizzly just to make you feel better about yourself. Have some conviction. (laughs) <laughs> it's hard to go one way or the other with this because he does make important contributions. He doesn't get anywhere near the talk that LeBron or Kyrie got. Uh, but he also wasn't used correctly, and he should have made bigger contributions than he would have if they used him correctly. Well, the, the next one should be, I Now think, he's all alone. We should have a lot more. <laughs> and not even playing because he's been hurt all year. A lot more agreements on the next one because it's not going to be too big, too small. It's pretty much the same topic. But there's no championships involved. Just who's your most and it's, dis- and, it's, and it's flipped on its head. <laughs> this is very much an opposite topic. Wait, I thought it was still champions involved. No, no not no. champions. No Just champions. the most disrespected a- great player. Yeah. Because so, most so of the this, disrespected wait, no, great players. Was, hold up, hold no, up. This it, was it wasn't disrespected. On a- I thought. Hang on, Paul misrepresented the the the, the freaking topic. Is it, it? I did. I thought we were well, talking no, about. Well, no. So it was. It was most underappreciated player on a championship team. I'm not going to split too many hairs between that and disrespected. This well, one is I most with, disrespected I, I great player. I definitely went with a different ever. route with it. <laughs> so this got, one was – this one is certain – the first one was No, no, on I mean the last team. one. The second one Underappreciated, not. I wasn't going to say it's Isaiah Thomas thing. for that. What do you mean? <laughs> you were still appreciated. It's, he wasn't was, underappreciated. I'd was, say he's disrespected. It was close enough. <laughs> His if career you are, as a whole. If you are so, not appreciated, so that is disrespect. Mm. What do you mean? To a certain to a certain degree, yes. No, it, yeah. Very much. I, yes. I didn't call it out because it was close enough. It's not the exact same thing, but man, messing with my answer. I, I I didn't know how much it would change your answer. I'm sorry. My answer how, was going to be Dennis Rodman for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with Dennis Rodman for that. For most underappreciated player. Who doesn't? That would be automatically cuddly. How Absolutely is not. Rodman not appreciated. Are you kidding me? You could have picked. You could have picked five people from those Bulls teams that were more underappreciated than Dennis Rodman. But didn't contribute like Dennis Rodman did. Unreal, unreal. Anyways, Horse as Ryan did. tried to say eight times, and Matt just choking on his splitting hairs of words. This one has nothing to do with championship teams, but we're talking about great players. That were disrespected. The most disrespected great players. So these players are really good. They're a universally recognized. Well, not universally recognized. They should be universally recognized as so. But for one way or another, they get a ton of disrespected them. Uh, since nobody's going to take this one, I'll throw out the example of Tom Brady. Would be a good good guy for this category. What? Why? What? No, what? What? What do you mean? What? We have ninety percent of football fans that say he's the greatest player. Universally of all time. loved by every media outlet there is out there, s- except for ones that just hate Boston. I, I legitimately, three out of every ten sports fans I know hates Brady and thinks he's a cheater and he's a system quarterback. 
System quarterback is the one I most commonly hear, more than the cheating. That if he didn't have Bill and he didn't go to that specific team, he would have been nothing. And that's literally 30 to 40% of football fans. It's not 30 to 40% of football fans. <laughs> if you know three football fans and one of them thinks that, I guess it's 33% of football fans to you. All right, so bad example. <laughs> but but, but he's called the example. GOAT literally everywhere. So my example, and I'll just get, get into it so there's no example needed. Uh, the answer for me is obvious. It's a guy who I've always loved, and at the start of his career, he was loved too. And then he just took took a spiral down, like many uh, like many volume scorers do, when people realize they can get buckets at an early age. Like, oh, this is so cool. But then what happens is they don't win a championship, and they keep shooting. And people go, well, you shooting so much is the reason that you're not going to win a championship. And the ultimate example of that is Carmelo Anthony. I would have said his middle name because I enjoy him that much. I just don't know it. Uh, but Carmelo Anthony. First Battle Hall of Famer, easily one of the best offensive players in NBA history. And the thing that always draws me towards Carmelo was such a great player is, one, I got to watch him, obviously, when he was in Denver. Um, and he even had a really good start with the Knicks before at the end. Uh, you know, he got a little bit older, and then he didn't want to be on the bench at the end of his career, which is really the only one thing I'll uh, I'll fault him for, is the end of his NBA career was really all based on him. He's laughing at press conferences about being benched, when that was probably the best role for you at the time, considering the teams you're trying to get on, but I digress. The one thing that always draws me back with Carmelo is... A lot of the players that they ask, who's the hardest player you ever had to defend, they all tell you, not all because I was 100%, but a lot of them tell you it's Carmelo Anthony. He was so big, he was so strong, he was so quick, there was nothing you could do to him, and he could shoot it from anywhere, he could post you up, he could go to the rim, right, dunk on you, draw fouls, he could finish. He had just all, all of these array of moves um, that you just couldn't stop, and you would really just kind of hope that... Uh, that he missed when he was playing. And when you hear former great players say that, especially guys who are great defenders, um, talk about another guy like that. That's something that, at least for me, I'm going to hold that into more more account of how good a player was than guys, you know, that you see like a Jason Whitlock or a Colin Coward on TV talking about, well, Carmelo is no good because he shot 43, 44% or whatever, or because he never won a title. One, I think maybe, shit, maybe three or four playoff series in his entire career. Um, so he was, wasn't a guy who definitely had a lot of the team success, but as an individual player, I don't see how there's any denying or even debating you know how great of an actual player he himself was so i'm actually gonna interject here before matt goes because it'll save a lot of time instead of me doing mine and then having us all go through the regurgitating the same things mine is also carmelo anthony and i'll add on a little bit to what ryan said before matt answers and this will save us the time of doing this entire charade again Carmelo Anthony, for his first 16 seasons in the NBA, averaged over 20 points. Six from the time, he, when he was a rookie, he averaged 21 points. As a rookie, 16 seasons, his first 16 seasons, he averaged more than 20 points. He averaged almost 25 points in that span per game. 
if you did nothing else, if you were completely useless outside of that, that would make you an all-time great NBA player, a first ballot Hall of Fame NBA player. You scored 25 points a game almost over the first 16 years of your career. A 16, you're not, you're not just talking about how many guys had a 16-year career, let alone to be that effective through 16 years, never dipping below 20 points a game. The guy, you can say he's a volume shooter all you want. He shot over 40% every year, around 45, 46, 47%. And it's not like this guy's getting layups and dunks all the time. This is not a center. This is a guy who's shooting. This is a guy who dominated with a mid-range game that isn't even utilized in today's NBA. This is a guy, Ryan said, one of the hardest, the Iguodala, we talked about him earlier, just perfect example of what Ryan was saying earlier. He was interviewed the other day and someone asked him who is the hardest guy you ever had to defend. He said Melo. And he laughed. He's like, people laugh at me when I say this. He said Melo. Melo was unbelievable. And he did other things too. He rebounded. He was not, yeah, he was a volume shooter, but I would not call him a selfish player. Everyone says Melo's selfish. Well, they didn't watch Melo in, in college. They didn't watch Melo when he thought he had some semblance of a team and he tried to get others involved. This guy is one of the greatest players in basketball history and the way people talk about him is like he's a scrub. It's just, it's, of all the things we talk about and all the disrespect, this is one of the most mind-boggling things there is. And part of it, I think, is it's the winning. People get way too caught up on winning in team sports. And it's always going to be like that, and it's a shame. But this guy was arguably the best, one of the best players of his generation. I, he's the guy. I, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand. All right. Well, let me explain that it to you. Lived it. First of all, it's Grizzly. Okay. So let me get that out of the way first, because he is absolutely underappreciated for how great of a basketball player he was. What he did with Syracuse his freshman year was phenomenal. And then here's where the problem starts. He joins the NBA the same year as LeBron James, who plays the same position as Carmelo Anthony. He goes to the Denver Nuggets, where he's got an okay squad, not a great squad, not a trash squad, but an okay squad. He makes them a little bit better by his presence on the court, but he doesn't make them all that much better. And they don't get that much better until Chauncey Billups arrives. And then he leaves Denver and he goes to New York, one of the harshest medias, maybe the harshest media in the United States. And that doesn't help matters because New York was a disaster. It didn't start a disaster, but it became one pretty quickly. In New York, the Knicks have been a disaster. This is the most overrated franchise in the history of sport. They only have two championships. They're both in the early 70s. They're known for their mistakes more than they are for their greatness. Uh, But all these things went against Carmelo. He doesn't have a championship. He didn't really even sniff one outside of one year with Chauncey. But Carmelo is absolutely underappreciated. He is one of the best small forwards the NBA has ever seen. But you came in at the same time as LeBron James. And Clyde Drexler had the same problem as a shooting guard coming in the same time around Michael Jordan. Then when there's that much greatness in your way in one player, it makes it really hard for you to be respected as well if you're not winning championships. Everyone loves Clyde the Glide. They do now. But he was relatively ignored during his playing time compared to what the, the stratosphere that MJ was on. 
It's just the way it is when you are playing with that much greatness. And, you know, Ryan and I were just talking about this with Dame and these other great, you know, point guards that can score when they have to deal with Steph Curry. It's just something you have to deal with. It sucks. You're in the wrong era. Sorry. Poor Chris Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Dylan here so we can blasphemize that man's name? All right. My guy, I'm going way old because this man deserves so much when it comes to the game of basketball. And I'm betting I'm about to say something to y'all that y'all have never heard before. As a U.S. Army reservist, this man lived in barracks in the state of Washington, leaving only whenever they gave him a weekend pass, and even with that pass, had to fly a bunch of coach connecting flights to make his way to California to wherever or wherever the Lakers happen to be playing, throw on a uniform, and then go out and average... 38 points and 19 rebounds a game. The man who really turned the game from the old school boring ass basketball that it was into a vertical game with a turnaround jumper, with the ridiculous athleticism. I'm talking about Elgin Baylor, one of the greatest players of all time who is relatively unknown in today's era. And it's a shame because Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Dr. J, Clyde Drexler, and the likes have all mimicked this man. This was the first to do it. He was ridiculous right out the gate, averaging 25 and 15 as a rookie, leading the Lakers to the finals. He dropped 71 his second year in the league. He averaged 19, almost 20 rebounds in his third season. One of the greatest players ever. And not a damn person knows about him the way they know about Bill Russell, the way they know about Oscar Robertson, the way they know about Will Chamberlain. And it's an absolute travesty of justice in the game of basketball if you have not taken the time to learn at least a little bit, if not a lot of bit, about Elgin Baylor. The Grizzly, Elgin Baylor, and uh, Rick Barry have become two of my favorite old guys. Because you see, obviously you see like Will at the top of uh, all the records. And then if you go down, well, every list they put on on SportsCenter from Elias Sportsboro, there's always those two names there. Uh, Elgin Baylor, Rick Barry. So it kind of shows you how great those guys were, even though obviously they're not talked about in any type of, uh, in any type of relevant way now. Besides people just mentioning, oh, hey. Steph Curry joined this person. LeBron James joined this person. Kobe Bryant just passed this person on the all-time list. Um, so that's kind of really how you how you only get to know them. Um, but those guys are kind of consistently there. So both of them are. Uh, I I don't know if I'd necessarily dis- disrespected, but they are they are unremembered um, all-time greats. So I'm gonna say Carly to this one. It has nothing to do with all of the great and factual things you said about Elgin Baylor. The people, I I just, he's not disrespected. So, I guess this is where the distinction would actually come into play of underappreciated versus disrespected. The only people who do not respect what Elgin Baylor did are people that just don't know about Elgin Baylor. He's underappreciated, which was the point of this topic. It is, no it wasn't. Yes, it was. I will pull up the freaking shot. It was disrespected. It was underappreciated. It was was not. This one was disrespected. The other one was underappreciated. 
most. Oh, you bitch. And this is this is one <laughs> this is one that it actually makes a difference because Elgin Baylor had his heyday so long ago. Of course, today's current generation does not know about all of his greatness. But Wilt and Bill Russell, Oscar Robertson, they know these names. So Juwan Howard. <laughs> oh my god. I'm just saying, you know those three names? There's a fourth name that needs to be with them, and it's in no particular order so with these Will four names. So Will Distill scored 100 Baylor. points in a game. He scored Bill 71. Russell, Bill Russell has a billion titles. Oscar Robinson is arguably one of the most iconic players in NBA history. You cannot... No, you cannot use those three and be like, you know who they are. I absolutely so, can. This man Austin's played modern good. basketball before modern basketball was a thing. Uh, he and was also a foot taller and much more athletic. No, he wasn't. Than everybody he was else. six foot five. He was more athletic, but he was six foot five yeah, six and foot averaged five almost back twenty then was like being rebounds. Seven no, it wasn't. Foot two today. No, it actually wasn't. There were plenty of six foot five guys in the NBA. There weren't that many seven footers. Uh, you know, I'm just messing with you. No, I, I just I can't get behind this one as a disrespect level. Like I don't know anybody. Who you don't know anything about Elgin Baylor. That's not true. I played NBA Street. Stop it. I don't know anybody who's going to sit here and have a conversation with you about Elgin Baylor and be like, nah, I don't think he was that good. I think he's overrated. No one's going to do that like they are with a guy like Melo. And that's going to say who? Dis- that's where the, but that's fine. That's not disrespect. That's not that's, fine. That is disrespect. That's, that that is, is absolutely that disrespect. That is ignorance of a time that, that was long before disrespect. most people were born. It is disrespect by the NBA and ESPN and every other sports network not put this into your brain the way they have put the other guys into your brain. Maybe if they had TVs back then and highlights of when he played. They've had plenty of time to put the other guys' names into your brain. And their greatness. But not the guy who was a U.S. Army reservist and played only on weekends for an entire season. I'm sure this has no bias in it at all. There's no bias in this. This is greatness that has been ignored and disrespected and underappreciated. Underappreciated, I will give you. But that's just because he's old. I mean, you can say that about every old great ever. Some of the stats are like, like even minutes played. In 1962, we played 44 minutes Mm -hmm. a game. Didn't come off the floor. And they did not believe in, like, they did not believe nope. in Russ back then? No, it wasn't a thing. You played basketball. Uh, to, to be fair, you didn't. You're our best player. You're playing shot, basketball. He, he shot like Carmelo, though. 43% field goal percentage. Back then, that was good. I mean, you gotta, everything's got to be taken in context. Like, nobody shot that well back then. Bill Russell did. And that's why Bill Russell's recognized No, more see, than Bill Russell Taylor. was actually taller than everyone not named Wilt. It's true. He was. Elgin Baylor was wasn't. He was just more athletic. Is him, being the, gonna... is him being in the Army while he started his career at age 24? Is no, uh, no, no, no. Racism is why he started his career at the age of 24. And only being allowed to have so many black players on your team is why he started. Didn't stop Wilt to still. That's right. I'm going to make it my life's campaign now to just disparage Elgin Baylor's name so the dis- disrespect that Matt thinks exists can oh, it exist. exists. Never, n- never won an MVP. Mm, yeah. Who can he be? 
Hang on. Wilt didn't win the MVP for dropping 50 points a game and pulling down 25 boards. Oscar Robertson didn't win the MVP the year he won. He had a triple-double for the season, which were the exact same year. Bill Russell won it. Won Bill MVPs? Russell won it, averaging oh, 20-something in like 19 boards. Oh. Why? Because the Celtics Bill were the Russell's best the team goal, so in all fine. of basketball. Yeah, Bill Russell's the goal. We, we got it. I know. It's fine. But he was not the MVP. So I'm saying he, he couldn't get one in 14 years? Racism, man. I don't know. Even Steve Nash is too. Oh, Steve Nash. Don't even, don't Steve even Nash start. has one while averaging 15 Jesus. points, which is fantastic. And you can argue that Kobe got dirt, did dirt on both of Steve Nash's. Oh, absolutely. And Dirks. All three of those belong to Kobe Bryant. Nah, oh, yes. Dirks. Yes, Dirks. Oh, yes, Dirks. Not Dirks. Oh, yes, Dirks. Oh, absolutely, Dirks. This man doesn't have a non-biased bone in his body when it comes to the Lakers. Especially Kobe. Especially Kobe. Man, sitting back laughing like Tyrion Lannister right now. I cannot wait five years from now. We're going <laughs> to revisit this topic. Kobe's the most disrespected great in NBA he absolutely history. is. Oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> he is kidding. I know he's trolling. Trash. I know he's trolling that way. All right, someone take this out. <laughs> All right. We've had enough. We done... Uh, luckily for us, the NHL and the NBA are not done. By the time we talk next week, the NBA Finals should be set. We know half of it. It's the Golden State Warriors. The Stanley Cup Finals are set as the St. Louis Blues took care of the San Jose Sharks tonight, 5-1 to one in Game 6 back in St. Louis. They will meet the Boston Bruins for the Stanley Cup. We will have more updates on those next week. Thank you for joining us along with Paul Roshan and Ryan Griffin. I am Matt Bass, and we are Sports Carnage. We will talk to you all next week.